This is Heavy Radio 40 before O, and this is a collaboration with Audible Farm Podcast, audiblefarm.com, and that is this is your episode 161. It's Marco here, Eric's with us, and our kick-ass guest is Peter Stockdale from Three Finger Betty, the Audible Farm Podcast, and do you, do you have any other groups you play with? I know you play a lot of music with people. Uh, yeah, uh, I definitely play a lot. So I play with Jesse Wilson. He's like, uh, I guess you could call it like a country artist of sorts. You know, a lot of those are genre bending these days. And then I also play with a folk musician named Clint Riedel. It's uh, not not exactly heavy music, but I started going to jam nights and realizing, you know, there's different music out there. Let's give it a whirl. So I kind of did. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. I, I feel like you have, in the last year or two you've probably played as many shows as pretty much almost any musician on the planet it feels like to me oh <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's been pretty wild you know some weeks you know i'm not a traveling musician and i got a day job and it's it's fun because i've had a few weeks in there where it's like i'm playing four or five shows a week you know and it's that's a lot for anybody yeah well yeah and and in a time period where most traveling musicians aren't playing unless they have a situation like that on the side yeah, I mean, very fair point. The traveling musicians are the ones that are really getting hurt by the lack of travel that's been going on, especially with live entertainment. So um, I guess I'm, I just consider myself lucky to be able to play with as many people as I do. Have you been on a recording with any of the other groups, or Three Finger Betty is the one? Uh, Three Finger Betty is the only one. I've um, actually I recorded tracks with Jesse uh, Wilson in the studio, some of them just being like bass tracks or just tracks that are going to eventually get overwritten. I've done some solo work on some of his tracks, but they usually get overdubbed by other musicians. So um, it's it's kind of funny how that works out, but it's all just like, you know, the studio work that goes into things. So um, he recently Sweet. released a music video, and on the music video I'm playing the solo, but it's actually in the studio with somebody else doing it. So it's it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek thing that's pretty funny. So go watch that. You can watch me kind of fumble my way through a solo that I didn't write. <laughs> what's the what's the best? I know audiblefarm.com is the best way for people to check out Audible Farm and check out the merch. What's the best way to for people to check out Betty and to get the, you know, the album or the merch for Three Finger Betty? Uh at Three Finger Betty, pretty much anywhere except for Facebook. Uh, that's at Three Finger Betty Band. Uh, long story there. There's uh, whatever. Uh, the, one of the Facebook <laughs> accounts got hacked, and then they took our page from us. So uh, that's how that works. I've been unsuccessful in getting it back, unfortunately. So if anybody wants to help me out with that, hit me up. Um, but yeah, so Three Finger Betty Bandcamp.com. That's got uh, the album there. You can buy physical copies as well, uh, T-shirts and other sorts of merch there as well. Uh, new album coming soon, probably uh, 2022 sometime. So uh, check that out. Hell yeah. And and we, so a couple of our episodes incoming are going to be celebrating the fact that Raven is touring and one of their stops is here in Iowa and you are going to be supporting them at that stop in three finger Betty. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's uh, kind of crazy because three finger Betty is like, um, somewhere between like eighties punk or like late seventies punk. And I'm not talking like the Ramones or sex pistols. Like this is some aggressive fast stuff with like solos and like metal drumming and, um, you know, just 
everything's fast paced and leaning forward and running downhill the whole time. So we've had the opportunity to play with a lot of bands that, you know, might not necessarily fit our genre, but it's if a metal band comes to town, it's like, well, we can't all have the exact same metal band. So let's pull this like hard rock and punk band in here and throw them in first. So we've had the opportunity to open up for some really cool bands. I'm really excited to open up for Raven. So that's going to be a really good show. Definitely. Hell yeah. We, uh, we like to kick things off with just some news uh, that's been going on in the, the heavy world. And, and so this will be a joint uh, heavy radio and audible farm news session. If you got anything, just chime in, Peter. Uh, the first thing I got is there's going to be a new species of fossil or new species of conodonts that have a fossil discovered by a Danish-Swedish Swedish team of paleontologists it's around 469 million years old. It's going to be named after Tony Iommi. So there's going to be... Tony Same Iommi blood. is going to have a fossil named after him. That's pretty cool. Is that metal or is that a slap in the face? <laughs> <laughs> Tony Iommi, old fossil. I don't know. I just... I don't know if I'd enjoy that. Maybe it's pretty cool, but... What, what was the fossil of again? <laughs> it is a... What did they call this? A condiment, which, to be honest, I have no idea. I want to Google it real quick. What a condiment is. This might change the it's whether a, it's a good it a thing or a bad I mean, thing. A dinosaur world. Uh, but... It's a jawless vertebrae resembling an eel. It looks pretty okay. metal. Okay. It's got these bug eyes. It looks kind of like an, a snake eel thing. It's got lo- looks like it's got lots of little sharp teeth. Well, that sounds pretty metal. All right, I'm in. Change my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds like it, a horror movie if there's a bunch of them. Yes, I think he is. Uh, I think he's on board with it. So it sounds like a cool <laughs> thing. That's pretty sweet. Ty's on board. And uh, just as a twofer with that, um, recently Bill Ward said he would he would push for making a Black Sabbath album with everyone that's you know still around from Black Sabbath. So that would be one of the few times where such a thing could happen for a band as old as Black Sabbath. And um, his biggest thing was he he didn't feel like he could do it justice and tour uh, on the road. But if he can convince the other guys to do an album, he's he says he's down. So there's that. I mean, when was uh, thirteen? The last one wasn't that in like two thousand twelve, thirteen? Someone there. Sounds area? right. Yeah. You said almost a decade ago. Um, at any rate, but yeah, I thought that was a really strong um, showing for them. So I think yeah, any music is icing on the cake from that crew at this point. So. Then there was uh, there was a the end EP that you could only get on the last tour and it was sold out when I went to see them in Minnesota. But I had a friend who got me got me the tracks and I dig I dig those as as uh, as well or better than anything that's on the record. So that was really cool too. But but yeah, no, I honestly I'm at the point where when it's Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, it would it's just just a you know it's awesome to be able to hear anything that they got left so oh yeah 
Did you have anything for the news bit, Eric? No, uh, quiet on my fronts right now. Uh, I have the ex-death members James Murphy and Terry Butler are going to perform spiritual healing on the anniversary of Chuck Schulner's death. And so it's going to be December 11th and December 12th concerts at the Brass Mug in Tampa. Uh, They're going to be joined by drummer Gus Rios and guitarist vocalist Matt Harvey from Exhumed. It's going to coincide with the 20th anniversary of the passing of death, uh, Death's Chuck Schuldner. So this sounds like a really badass concert event for people that are in Florida can get to Florida this this winter. Um, should be an amazing night. Definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen a, an article on that. That looked pretty sweet. I'm I'm not like a hardcore death fan, but I've spent enough time around somewhere. Uh, that's some pretty awesome stuff. So that's going to be a sweet one to check out in its entirety as well. Hell yeah. And um, the last bit of news I have is we have had two of the three Tremors on um, on our podcast, so check those out if you haven't. Sean Peck and Harry Conklin, the tyrant. Um, but the three Tremors have announced the, the due date for their new release, The Guardians of the Void. Um, and so basically they, we had talked to Sean about it. They wasted no time and are just kind of always writing. Um, but next month you are getting a new three tremors record with the guardians of the void. There's a music video now for bone breaker. That is pretty badass. You should check that out. The artwork, the artwork is, is excellent. So we're definitely stoked on that. Oh, and, um, Mark, I did have uh, one bit of news. What's something I wanted to bring up was um, uh, good news, happy news. Um, Jews Priest guitarist Richie Faulkner is has been discharged from the hospital. Um, for those of you out there who might not have heard, um, he had a, a cardiac episode while on stage, and um, it came out that uh, I guess he had a, his heart had. Um, had an embolism and it ruptured so there's actually he was on stage playing the solo to painkiller his heart literally <clears throat> ruptured and was bleeding into his chest and he was still playing the solo flawlessly so that is uh beyond dedication <clears throat> um so i might have i might have jumped off stage at that point but um richie stayed through it and they got him to the hospital immediately of course and um I guess he had a, a 10 hour heart surgery that was um, happily successful and he's been discharged from the hospital and is now recuperating. Um, so good news for him and the, his family and the Jewish priest camp um, all together. So well wishes yeah. from heavy radio, of course, out to him and his crew. And it's, it's nice to have a happy ending to that one. Cause that was yeah. a scary story. I heard, I heard that. And I also heard he was on the mend. So indeed uh, I love, Richie and what he brings to the priest so so yeah definitely glad yeah. to hear he's on the recovery for um, sure we have a very special heavy radio audible farm birthday boy today David Lee Roth was born this date in 1954 so uh, we need to crank some Dave TV all you know Dave yeah, TV yeah. all day all night was he Bob I heard he's uh He's uh, saying this is his last tour, so 
I can see that. It's time for I think I think uh, Dave Lee Ross earned the earned the right to kick back in a hammock somewhere, chill out on the beach. And Let's put yeah, in a lot of rock when in. you yeah when you mentioned um, you know things to recover from and get back on, um, our we have a heavy radio time machine that actually is rela- in relation to that topic on October tenth, nineteen seventy eight. If you were at an Aerosmith concert, you saw Steven Tyler and Joe Perry get injured when a cherry bomb was thrown on the stage. Oh, shit. Jeez. I Like, yeah, I know things that happen today, like, I kind of get it, like, people are on edge or whatever, but, like, I feel like that is some, some really, some real shit. If you got injured by a cherry bomb and you just go back out, uh, you know, just go back out and then kick it again right after that. That's that's a good uh, uh, 70s story. You don't just hear about just kids getting a hold of cherry bombs these days. I don't even know <laughs> yeah. if I could procure one if I wanted to get one. Yeah, or just like exploding them in school toilets. Yeah, kids. The kids these days don't know the cherry bombs. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. They probably don't even make them anymore. Right. At least not that are easily available. <laughs> you probably have to make your own. Yeah. Heavy <laughs> <laughs> radio does not condone making your cherry own bombs. cherry bombs. Unless it's, the can- unless it's the candy. The, candy the lawyers are calling me now. <laughs> if it's the candy or the song. Yeah. You can sing the runaway cherry the bomb runaways. all you want. Then that's <laughs> approved. That's a okay. So I know, what, what have you guys been up to lately? I know, didn't you just have a show, was it last night, Peter? Uh, yeah, I had a couple shows this weekend. Uh, I played a show for a 50th um, birthday party for a gentleman, and then I also played a private party. Um, they had a shrimp boil there, so we played for that. It's pretty awesome sitting up on stage and smelling that the whole time. Wow. Yeah. So do you you play guitar in every every group that you play with? Yeah, yeah, actually. I had originally started going to jam nights, and there was plenty of guitarists and almost no bassists, so I'd bring a bass with just for fun. And then sometimes there was no bassist, so I'd end up you know, playing bass all night. And I'm not like a professional bassist by any means, but I can keep a beat and play well enough. So uh, I had started out playing with a handful of people playing bass with them, and then I showed up at jam night and started playing guitar one night, and I'm like, I didn't even know you played guitar. And I'm like, well, you know. Uh, secrets uh, so then I started playing a lot of guitar with people but right now yeah that's all I play with anybody is guitar awesome what have you been up to Eric? Uh, you know just living the dream out here in California getting spooky season on I am halfway um, well I mean a third of the way through my um, my Halloween marathon list I'm sure you listeners out there if you like heavy metal probably have a the, the Venn diagram between metal and horror movies is pretty strong. Um, so it's been a good run so far. I saw the new VHS 94, which was awesome. I'm really excited for uh, the new Halloween uh, Halloween Kills next week. So um, getting ready to get my tickets for that. So just loving the Halloween season. It's my favorite time. So definitely getting my spooky on. Awesome. I was uh, at the... Covered Bridge Festival in in Madison County, and uh, yes, that's one of the 
we have so much to do in Iowa that looking at bridges is one of the big things that that we do here. <laughs> covered bridges, covered bridges. <laughs> but I, I, but actually, I digress. It was it's really cool in that lots of cool vendors and local businesses were there, so it was awesome. Good food, good people. Um, you know, Clint Eastwood made a movie about it, but. Um, People are always like, um, you know, how many people did he kill in that one? And I'm like, uh, none. And then, uh, like, was he grumpy yet lovable? Uh, not, not really. And, and they're like, um, they're like, oh, it was a romance. Um, and I'm like, yeah, he uh, boned Meryl Streep. And um, <laughs> that's romantic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was trying to, I didn't, I had never really seen the movie or read the book. So I was looking into it a little bit and somehow I just, it, this, what popped up was a Clint Eastwood cameo in the movie Casper. Do you, the live action ghost Casper. (laughs) I don't know if you were, if either of you recall that film. I blocked. I think I blocked it out. My childhood trauma. Okay. Well, let me one. break it down to you. I, yeah, I saw it in the. Back. I saw it in the theater, so I could not appreciate it. But now, I can hello appreciate it because there's cameos from here. Just, let's check out this list. I'm ready. Dan Aykroyd, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Rodney Dangerfield, Mel Gibson, Ben Steen, John. Kasser, who's the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and Brad Garrett. That is a that is a motley crew. <laughs> I don't remember any of those. I remember Christina Ricci and Casper, but I don't remember any of that. The Rapid Fire, Rodney Dangerfield, Mel Gibson, and Crypt Keeper is definitely a, something. Yeah. It's a sight to behold. Yeah, that's a dinner table right there. When you say, like, you can invite ten people to dinner for a conversation, that's a hell of a group you assemble. There's some very scary characters as well. Yeah, Mel Gibson has, has gotten scarier in his, in his older age. More beards. <laughs> More unhinged. That's crazy. I might have to go back and watch it now. I remember not not being my favorite back in the day, even as a, as a kid. But yeah, I don't know. For, for that insanity, I don't even remember that. I don't know I what just, I was doing. I must have been I, talking to you in fourth grade or something. We I really, attention. I really don't remember it other than what I just witnessed, and um, I did. I remember seeing it in the theater, and I had the little ghosts. Uh, Brad Garrett is one of them, Fatso or something. Oh and shit! I, and and uh, I, they they came from Pizza Hut. It was like a Pizza yeah, you Hut. Yeah, put them thing. on your hand or something. And they right? glowed in like the dark. Puppet? That's yes. what I remember from that. <laughs> It seems like it didn't really happen, but I know that it happened. We have the shared memory, so it must have happened. <laughs> the corporate tie-ins. But anyway, that's enough about Casper, the, <laughs> the live action. You always um, do this every episode. Somehow you bring up Casper, derail the whole show. At least it's, it's not always Casper. But so Peter, we want we always like to get into people's background when when do you do you remember when you first kind of cross paths with some kind of heavy metal or rock and roll some kind of heavy music um yeah i mean as ironic as ironic as it sounds uh clint uh wheelman uh formerly blunker the you know drummer for dark mirror which uh you guys have some ties with oh yes. um uh, yeah. 
that uh, he had shown me some music when I was in high school, and it was, you know, he had this big CD case. This is back when they even needed CDs, you know, and it had like I don't know, 300, 400 CDs in it, and it was just like every Maiden album, every Megadeth album, every metal, like every, I mean, you just name them, like the pile of Motley Crue, you know, and it, you just go through it, and it's just like everything from hair metal to thrash metal to so you name it that was even remotely popular he had a, a copy of something in there so we just started going through some of those and um iron maiden was easily the first one i took to and it was just like the greatest band ever you know and i mean that was it, it just sucked me in and it was uh it was ironically as crazy as that sounds it was um no more lies by iron maiden was like the first song where i was just like jeez this like whatever this is halls you know and it's like that was some weird times because it was like uh, was it was that the name of the album? Dance the of the Death. Album? Dance of the Death. Yeah, yeah, that was one with the goofy like CGI. It cover. had a really funky yeah. album cover. Yeah, funk is the worst. Wasn't there like a baby or something? Yeah, it's I like mean, masquerade ball or something. <laughs> yeah, and it's all these like horrible yeah. CGI characters. There yeah. is an yeah. Eddie, yes. I think. There's Eddie, but he's in the background, and the baby is like the feature or something. Yeah, it's pretty wild, but like, and that's the crazy thing is that it's it's such a new weird maiden, and people don't ever talk about that album. I love I like... love the album, but yeah, the cover looks like like maybe like a talented person could have made it like with a '90s PC or something like with, <laughs> with no editing program other than you know what the computer could provide. <laughs> That's that's probably going to be some next like modern art, you know. I'm going to get I'm going to get a super old computer and generate art with it. So there's someone oh, out there who's going to you know, send us an email and be like, "That's my favorite Maiden album cover, man." <laughs> How dare you disparage that album cover? And that music so, video where they're in race cars and it's also computers. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love the fucking album. There's a lot of yeah, great it's got songs on there. Passiondale, yeah. Yeah, that's a good start, man. It's a good intro. Iron Man's a good jump on point. Yeah, I, mean, Plus, it was, yeah, I can uh, totally imagine like Clint Clint Wheelman as like the person who comes in and like, hey guys, check this out, and he just pulls out <laughs> the fucking Megadeth and the Iron Maiden and shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we had like commandeered uh, practice room at the high school we went to, and we just like plastered all these Iron Maiden and guitar players like all these it was just all over the walls and we had like the entire Maiden discography printed off up there and that way it's just like well, which one are we going to listen to today and we just start picking one or whatever but it's like you know before that I was listening to you know like Roy Orbison and then like I was like just finally starting to find my way it's like well you know this new you know pop punk is pretty cool because that's what's on MTV all the time you know and Thank God Clint came along and, and, you know, was just like, this is how people play instruments with, you know, not trying to make fun of people because, you know, half those guys are all millionaires regardless of what they play anyway, so. When, when did you pick up a guitar? Was that later on or did you have one back in the day? It was right around that time frame. I was probably like 14, 15 by the time he started showing me music and I was picking up a guitar too, so I was kind of learning... Uh, like an odd assortment of stuff before I finally started to just be like, I'm going to try and learn some Megadeth songs and see what happens. I'm like, let's see what, it, like, can I figure out how to play Murders in the Rue Morgue by Iron Maiden? I bet That's I can, good. you know. So we started picking out random songs like that and playing them and just kind of like basement jamming at that point. But we did have a high school band, and the high school band would, you know, um, 
Like we were called active input. None of us were really talented enough in high school to pull off like shredding solos and stuff. So we stuck to like punk rock and things like that because that seems to be the go-to for a lot of younger people. Hell yeah! It's a, I I had a band in that similar range and and yeah, I, it sounds like you guys actually might have been uh, been on some from front heavier than than we were. Like we tried to play maybe System of a Down, Sugar, For Whom the Bell Tolls, but, but the songs we actually could play were not heavy, <laughs> more like punk and pop punk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that was it the happens. times, man, that was the times. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to see Megadeth in concert with Clint uh, one time, and Dark Mirror was opening up for Megadeth. And, oh, yes. Um, what was the place called? It was like the Eagles. The Rave. The, the Rave. It? Well, the Eagles Isimal... Club is connected to the Rave, if I remember right. Like the Rave is the big one, and the Eagles Club is a smaller venue that's connected. And I think that's where, where was we played in some yeah, was, some part. Milwaukee, the, Milwaukee the Good show. Land, the Good Land. Yeah, Milwaukee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. I, you know, believe it or not, I saw both of you guys playing with Dark Mirror back then. So uh, yeah, I do have I, I have seen you before, Eric. You know, as, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. But, it's another another lifetime. Two thousand and seven. There yeah. is a there another is a land. bunch of a bunch of bands I think playing and I I can't even remember the whole bill. It was just like just such a high of being part of the show that I didn't even all I can remember is Megadeth after I think I think in this moment was on that. That sounds bill. right. Yep. If I had to recall, yeah. Right. That was a fun that was a fun show. Oh, I got my Havoc. Havoc. Didn't Havoc play? We were like somewhere right before or right after Havoc, I think. That was how I first heard of them. Okay. I believe it. I and didn't maybe know Primal Primal Fear or was that a different that might have been a different show, but yeah, it's kind of a it's a it's a time period <laughs> that is it's kind of a blur. Together, yeah. It was a very <laughs> Dave T V time period for me. <laughs> hey man, that's the news. This is the news. It was a very win the contest. Yeah, to, to go on the road with Van Halen on MTV kind of time period. Taking bets to jump out a window. Dave <laughs> style. Yep. But yes, I do. I remember us playing and I remember, I believe it was when I first saw Havoc, which I was fucking stoked. And it was badass and um, still love those guys. And Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah, I, I got... I was like in the vicinity of Dave Mustaine and got to hear the sound check, which uh, it was, I got to hear High Speed Dirt twice, I think. So that was amazing. And Dave was very Dave. He just like didn't really say nothing. He just kind of nodded at me and I was like, okay. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I ain't going to bother you. <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's that's a good interaction. It could have been cool. worse from what I hear. So I'll take the nod. Good. Judo kicked you, took you out. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, uh, Peter, you, you mentioned playing the shows and jumping in with the bands. Um, so I was going to ask, like, what's your maybe one or two pieces of gear that you, like, your trusted trusted side piece? Like, what a uh, piece of gear do you not leave the house for for a show? Oh, man. That's kind of crazy. Um, b- believe it or not, these days it's probably a... a a PVT 60. I mean, I, I've 
picked one of those up not too long ago. I started playing it. It's like this is one of the most versatile instruments ever. Um, before that, it was a Les Paul, but you know you can only do so much with a Les Paul, and I've modded out Les Pauls. Um, mm. uh, you know, beyond recognition. Go to go to the Autoform channel on YouTube and check it out. I mean, there's plenty of videos there of me doing goofy stuff to to Les Pauls, but. You know, the, the T60 was pretty awesome. So, I mean, I've used that for just about every genre I can. Um, otherwise, I I used, I used to use a, a PVJSX. So that's like the Joe Satriani head. I used one of those for just about everything I did up until recently. I switched to something a little more compact to walk around with, and that's a PV Classic 30. So, if you can't tell, I'm kind of a PV guy, but, yeah. uh, you know, those are, those are the things, you know. Other than that, there's not, I mean, like, I've been trying to work on getting flexible, so I've been going places without a pedal board, with a pedal board, and uh, taking some pedals off, or just trying not to use things. And you know, sometimes you go to jam night and you got to use someone else's gear, so you just kind of go with whatever's there and try to make it sound good. So uh, I'm trying to be flexible, but those are like that guitar and those two amps are probably like the things that I I would say are always in my arsenal. That's yeah, that's funny. A lot of uh, musicians I I talk to, it seems like. A lot of us start out, and we have very particular, like, this is the board I have to have, I have to have this amp, I have to have this guitar, and then um, you kind of learn to, to adapt a little as you keep playing, and, you know, like, shit happens at every gig, so you kind of have to learn how to roll with what you got, so I'm always curious with um, task musicians that are playing a lot, kind of what's the, the staple gear. That's cool, though. Yeah, especially it sounds like you're playing with all different styles, so you need to be able to dial in different tones all the time. So, yeah, I mean, cool. like, with what's on my pedal board, and if I was using, like, a Classic 30 and a T60, I could get just about any sound I need out of it, you know, for any band mm -hmm. I play with. So, um, some of it's also aesthetics, though, or, like, you know, this guitar suits metal better, but it doesn't play almost anything else. But I could bring this with in a metal band, you know, you don't just need to bring one guitar with you everywhere you go. So, mm -hmm. um, so I guess it is just up to preference. Since yeah. we... we me and you are both in similar location, both in Iowa. You you grew up in Humboldt, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely Humboldt, Iowa. So what what I think is cool is because you you have these people that you play with that aren't some balls to the wall heavy metal all the time. You play in some some places around Iowa that that wouldn't necessarily make sense for me to play at. So I think it's cool that you've played some different venues and bars and stuff around Iowa. Um, was there anything you remembered from coming up or even recently that was kind of a special memory in terms of the, the scene that you've been playing in? Oh, um, the one up north here, maybe? Like, I've only been playing up here for about a year, a little over a year uh, with bands up here. Um, it's been a busy year, though. I've probably put on 50 shows with, with just people up here, but... Um, and I don't know, like, there's been, like, little venues here and there where it's like, I'll, I know I'll get to play here eventually, but it would be pretty cool to play here or whatever. Or it'd be neat to open up for these guys. Like, there's an Iowa cover band called the Pork Tornadoes. They play, imagine, like, uh, girl rock kind of pop songs from, like, the 80s and 90s, but it's, like, dudes singing it, and one of them is, East. he was, like, on The Voice, and he placed, like, close to the top ten on The Voice. So it's, like... You know, it's kind of crazy how good they can sing, and they, they bring just, like, super high production value, and, and they pull in huge crowds, and it's just a big party atmosphere. And we got to open up for them once with Jesse Wilson and kind of, you know, bring people in with some 
some kind of classic rock and songs on acoustic and electric, and that was a pretty fun time. I remember that one. Probably won't forget that one too quick because I mean I've known Mike Mike Schulte, the drummer for the Pork Tornadoes, for a while over the internet. It's, it's it was like the first time I ever met him face to face, and you know, those guys were just so nice to me. So that was pretty cool. Otherwise, like playing with Betty, um, Marco, you and I were with Unity for a while, a band that was based out of Iowa as well, and opening up for some of the bands we opened up with. Uh, I mean, uh, I sent you actually sent you a message about a couple of them, uh, like Striker and Nova Rain and Helium Prime and oh, um, yeah. Unleash the Archers. And um, I've had opportunity to open up for uh, just all sorts of bands. It's it's like Night Demon and uh, Bewitcher and just all sorts of bands that are either up and coming or, or are, are right there or have been famous at one point in time and are still out touring. Uh, like Vicious Rumors, that was one that took me by surprise. I was just like, well, this will be all right. And oh, then I walked yeah. in and I was like, holy, holy cow, this is insanely good. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah man, that's a list you just named. That's a list of names right there. <laughs> that was great. You know, it always kind of blows my mind to come through town and it seems like the promoters would find us and ask for us because at one point in time like betty was playing 30 or 40 shows a year too so i mean we, we just wouldn't say no to anything so, <laughs> so we were playing a lot of shows there for a while yeah and i i always think one thing probably one of the coolest things in my book about iowa is where you grew up humboldt was where where frank gotch grew up about three miles south of humboldt on a small farm i know we all have a passion for for wrestling and uh that is that's really cool i know there's that statue there for for frank gotch and frank gotch was the 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 first american wrestler to win the world heavyweight freestyle championship and he popularized wrestling in the united states and there's a lot of of people that are very big on wrestling that would say he's one of the best wrestlers of the 20th century so this was like 1908 somewhere in there 1910 and uh i I just always think that's really that's what i think of when i think of humble because i think that's really cool yeah i mean he's born and raised here traveled the world uh beat everyone he could beat for the most part and uh came back here undefeated world champion retired lived here died here he's buried here um you can go visit his grave if you want it's pretty sweet yeah, I mean it's it's really cool. I wouldn't say that's where my love of professional wrestling kind of started, but like that was, you know, it's definitely one of those things I leaned on like an anchor. You know, I just like I'm from the land of gotch, baby. You know, like people well, just like yeah. that's so that's so cool. And it's you know? cool. It, it took a while, but now what? Big E is the champion. Wasn't he's from yeah. Iowa? He wrestled in yeah. Iowa at least, and uh, Seth Rollins too from Iowa. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, Seth Rollins. Yeah, he wrestled in the Quad Cities area a lot. Um, and Big E played football for the University of Iowa, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, yeah, definitely some guys with Humboldt tie, or Iowa ties are getting in there. It's that weather, man. It makes you tough. If you want to play shows or do anything, you got to be ready to do it in the sleet and snow. So if you want it, you got to it'll, uh, it'll put you to the test. You got to want to do it. Did That's you true. get did you get into pro wrestling younger or more recently? When did you kind of first get into it? Oh, I was like younger. I'd see it on TV or whatever. You know, I, I didn't grow up with cable, so if I was ever at someone's house, it, you know, there was a point in time where almost every channel had wrestling on some at like some point in time. You know, every single day of the week. So, you know, whether or not it was you know WCW Saturday night shows that they had at the time or 
or whatever was going on Monday Nitro or something like that. You know, if I was ever at someone else's house, it was just like, this is so cool. I got to watch this, you know, and uh, believe it or not, like I said, I grew up without cable and my, my grandpa would tape Monday Night Raw for me and then just like give me the tape the next day. So I'd go to school the whole like Tuesday. Just like, don't say anything to me. Everybody. I gotta, I'm watching Raw tonight. Like, don't, yeah. so I, no I spoilers. Time, man. That I never, conversation <laughs> I never I said had, by myself, <laughs> never had cable. So I just had the basic channels and I think occasionally there'd be wrestling on there, but I never. Was it a heat I, on Saturday? Like that, 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 heat? something like that. that the the earliest memory that I have is just like my uncle just every time like just starting an impromptu wrestling match with me and he'd like be like the claw and like just fucking <laughs> make me fucking tap out every time in some fashion and I would uh, and he would always talk about like Killer Kowalski and um, Gorgeous George and stuff like that and. Um, but yeah, and then I, I don't even remember, like, some sort of extension to that was me begging uh, my dad to take me to, to it was Vets Auditorium in Des Moines at the time, and the main event was Ric Flair versus Sting, and I was just hooked after, after that. The Four Horsemen. Well, yeah. WCW action in there. Yeah. That's right. Those are good times. That's good classic wrestling times. Yeah. And then after that, it was going to Video Warehouse in Des Moines to just check out all the wrestling VHSs we could of whatever company we could. Yeah, I remember like going and checking those out as a kid, and uh, just like being like, "Oh my gosh, Hulk Hogan wrestled the Ultimate Warrior once. That would have been epic," you know. Yeah. Then you watch it back, it's like, well, this is all right, man. You know? Once you've seen a lot more wrestling, then you're like, it's not, not one of the best, but in the moment, it was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most energy. High it energy. Was, it was high energy. High energy promos running to the <laughs> ring. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I went to, like, indie wrestling show uh, at a, a county fair once, and that's what, like, kind of sucked me into going to see a lot of live shows. And I went to just tons and tons and tons of indie wrestling shows uh, to the point where I've, I mean, I've, you know, hobnobbed or whatever with a bunch of pro wrestler dudes that are eventually made it on TV in one capacity or another, you know. And it's it's pretty sweet to be able to, to, you know, spend enough time around the scene where you're just like, oh, these guys became famous that's pretty sweet you know? and now it's it's awesome to say that our mutual friend and clint wheelman's wife kelsey magnolia is a professional wrestler yeah yeah as a matter of fact she wrestled somebody this last weekend uh that we had seen wrestle multiple times before so it's kind of crazy for her to be like yeah she sat in the crowd and yelled at these people for years and then finally jumped in the ring and now she's wrestling she's wrestling them yeah that's yep. awesome Coming out to Hellion to a to a Hellion track, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, like uh, as far as I know, believe it or not, she got like a hundred percent permission to use that too. So that's yeah, like one it of was. Went, I did. She, yeah, well, I talked to her about it from from Anne herself gave her permission to to use the song. So it's a hundred percent legit. Yeah, she wanted to go through and make it as legit as possible. She like, took that, it up a notch. Awesome. I think. 
there was a cup like a couple shows where Jerry Lynn went out to a Dark Mirror song, if I recall right, and and that was fucking amazing. But I think she took it up a notch. She is actually wrestling and coming out to Hellion. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Went, went and saw his retirement show. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, Oh shit! It was from Patterns of Ca- or no, it wasn't. It was from the first album, Dark Mirror, Visions of Pain. I can't remember what song he came out uh, to. Now. It was. Was it Invisible Game? Invisible Game, yes. Nice. Fuck yeah. I won five points. Put it on the board. I'm so, yeah. I can't believe you you remembered it and I didn't. It was Invisible Game. Fuck yeah. But yeah, no, I. I love any time that I turn on whatever I can and it's Jerry Lynn wrestling. I fucking love it. Yeah, that's a guy. I mean, he, a lot of people would say, you know, he, he was on TV. He was famous enough. But it's like, I don't ever think he got his props. Oh, yes. He should have been a champion or champion longer, more often. And he should have been as, as big as anybody for my for my money. Oh, yeah. I mean, the matches with him and... I mean, one, two, three, kid. Back in the day, uh, Sean Waltman, X Pac, Six, whatever you want to call him. But I mean, even modern, more modern times. I guess that's still twenty plus years ago. But uh, him versus RVD, those were great series of matches. And I mean, eh, whatever. You know, you just can't win them all. I guess wrestling's one of those things that's so weird and subjective and political all at the same time. It's hard for people to rise up the ranks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's. It's the same, any entertainment business, there's always going to be people that that are just as good as the people on top that don't get to the top. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The, um, oh, and, uh, yeah, I actually, honestly, I put, I put Raven in that category, who I fucking love, and, and, uh, um, I actually saw there's going to be a tribute album to Raven called All for Raven, All for Raven, and a test. It's a testament to their career and also how they are, you know, do have global appeal on the planet because there's going to be bands from Europe, USA, Africa, uh, uh, bands from Latin America, and bands from Asia uh, are going to be on this. It's a 12-track tribute to Raven called All for Raven. Awesome. I didn't know that was coming out. Hell yeah. And um, yeah, we're stoked because we're going to have uh, we're going to have the other support act on an episode and we're, we have an episode with John Gallagher from Raven and that'll be coming so out the pipe it. real soon. It was a fucking honor. Yes, it was. It's a really fun show. Cool. And just on a, a stream of, of consciousness thing, when I was, I'm still thinking about that fucking Aerosmith cherry bomb. <laughs> and um, and I, I was just like kind of looking into it, and um, somehow, somehow this happens. Um, Alicia Silverstone, who was in an Aerosmith music video, at least one, right? Um, she has yeah. joined Bumble, the dating app. So, so if you, you want to possibly date Alicia Silverstone, it's a, there's a, ch- I'm telling shoot you, you have, I'm telling you, you have a chance. Shoot, shoot yourself, your shot, man. Like fifth grade, you can have his day. Yes. <laughs> it's possible. Anything's possible now. 
And then when I was closing out of that, I got a pop up for this mom's spaghetti. Have you ever have you heard tell of that? Yeah. M&M opened M&M's. a restaurant in Detroit called Mom's Spaghetti. I think it's, I think it's yeah. drive through only too. You can get it's like spaghetti in like uh, what looks like the it's typical take Chinese container. takeout and then you can get a, a spaghetti sandwich, a spaghetti sandwich. <laughs> he looked uh... <laughs> Yeah, I saw he was like served the first ten customers. It, it, it looks. I don't know. We'll see. I'd try it. I'd try it, man. Why not? I mean, yeah. there's really only a few things that interest me about Detroit. I'd see the RoboCop statue, and I would go to Mom's Spaghetti. I mean, it's mobile spaghetti. I love spaghetti, and I love being on the move. So if you can give me my spaghetti to go, um, I've never eaten spaghetti while walking around town. But hell, it's 2021, man. Fuck it. Hell yeah. Around spaghetti. It's time. I think it's uh, it's time on that note, Mom Spaghetti, to get into the Heavy Radio 40 and the Audible Farm 161 Heavy yeah. Radio playlist tracks for Spotify and YouTube. And I'm going to come out the gates with Flotsam and Jetsam with Hammerhead, the first track on Doomsday for the Deceiver came out in 1986 and fucking track yes and uh, Jason Newstead was a big hand in writing a lot of this album and uh, just really I I feel like if anybody uh, ever questioned Jason they could only only they would be they would be put in their place if they took a listen to or dropped the needle on uh Flotsam and Jetsam, Doomsday for the Deceiver. Hell yeah, classic album, hands down. And uh, this is something that I that I didn't know. the The album cover is somehow seen in the nineteen eighty eight movie Sleepaway Camp Two, Unhappy Campers. It's a little uh, tidbit for you that I did not know about Doomsday for the Deceiver. Uh, that's uh, another album. <laughs> it, I feel like the cover is is goofy, uh, but but in a way that's great. Kind of like the first Anthrax album. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you wouldn't want to change it. Yeah, it's like we don't want to change it, but it is. If all you saw was the cover and didn't know the glory, it would be like, wow, that's something. It has a pretty good grip on the devil's head. Um, yeah, he's doing like, his work. Flodzilla, very uh, squashed. He's, he's really, he's really giving it to him. He's giving it to him, man. <laughs> You're not gonna bust into hell to kill the devil and not go all the way. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, featuring Eric Ak on badass lead vocals. Um, Peter, what is your first track that you're bringing to the collabo? Oh man, so yeah, I, I did. I did send mine over to you, but let's let's start oh, out with you, this one. I got. I can if you need. No, I, I have. I have. I have. I, them. I got. I got them here. Uh, cool. So like the, I got one here. It's a uh, Megadeth into the lungs of hell slash set oh. the world afire. Oh. Um, so the first time I ever heard so far so good so what, uh, I was like listening to it. I'm like, when does he start singing? This is just shredding the whole time, you know. So it was just kind of mind blowing to be like, he didn't even start singing until like four minutes in the album, and this album's, you know, it's only like fifty ish minutes. So it's it's kind of crazy to be like, that's nuts. He spent that much time not even introducing your voice into any of it first. So um, hell yeah, yeah. Plus that one, 
That was uh, a Megadeth album I got into a little bit later, but that was one that was still, first time I heard it, I was just like, holy crap. I very vividly remember the first time I heard it and saw it, witnessed it, was I was at a sleepover at Eric's house when we were kids. I think we were playing Duke Nukem. And and I just look at the, like I had, I've been familiar with Megadeth to a certain degree, but not that album. And I was like, oh fuck, this is so nasty. And like I'm like, is this so the whole production team and engineer were on Speedballs too or something? Because this is fucking fucking just so gross. And it's I un- love that it. That whole album's unhinged. I it's like. I mean, I don't. I'm not one of those people that complains about remastered versions, but with Megadeth, I just love the originals so much. Like in all their fucking glory, all their fucking audio nasty glory, that that I just I I go for the originals, and I don't really listen to the remasters that much in most cases. Uh, but but yeah, no, just and I love how it's like a realistic Vic Rattlehead on the the album cover and yeah. Or, yeah, no, and that's a great, great fucking track. Oh, yeah. Um, my first pick for this week is um, a dude named Space Ace, Ace Fraley. He came down to Earth, touched down about a decade ago to release this banger of a song called Outer Space. And um, it is just a boggy-ass riff. This whole album was... Anomaly um, by Ace Frehley was just a, a step forward for him. Like, I love his solo record and his stuff through the 80s, um, but this, he just came back um, with just, it's just heavy and almost like stepping in Alice in Chains territory as far as the boggiest, bogginess of the riffs. So, um, if you guys haven't checked out that album by Ace, um, great album front to back. So, but. This song is the one that got my attention. That is Outer Space by the Space Ace. I do. I love the song. I love the album. And it was like, whoa. This. It was so hard to believe he was going to put out something that can stand up with like his 70s record. And and I think it does. It's just. It's like picking up right where Ace left off. Uh, I got to see him a few times, but on that tour, I believe it was actually the rave with Clint with Clint Wheelman song fucking it was fucking great fucking ozoned as hell awesome. gotta get ozone man take and survive yeah. space travel fuck yeah <laughs> it's the only way time travel space travel yeah whatever you gotta go get same you difference really P&L statements yes <laughs> my my next track for the playlist comes from Spreading the Disease, the second studio album from Anthrax, Megaforce Records, and 1985, Good Year. This came out, what, something, 20, some 27, some 20 some days after I was born. And uh, my track is, it's a hard, it's hard for me to pick just one track from Spreading the Disease, but I'm going with the first track again, A-I-R. Great song. Made me love Joy Belladonna. When when I was playing in a band with Eric, we covered Medusa, but I totally would have also covered AIR. I would have covered anything on that album. Um, Fucking love it. And 
brutal, man. That song is relentless. It's just like punching you in the head, like straight up, nonstop. Yeah. And There's no breathing room in that song. It's pretty much when Anthrax, like, went full on all the, you know, all full on Anthrax. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely an album. That was another one of the ones when I first got a hold of that one. That was just one that like Clint was like, You should buy this and I'm like, Okay and then so I bought it. And <laughs> like, this album is insane, you know. And he rarely he rarely steered me wrong, you know, so that was I always took it to heart when he said listen to this. Yeah, and right after this album was completed, uh Scott Ian and Charlie Benante would form Stormtroopers of Death and record the album Speak English or Die, which is, you know, a milestone and crossover. So it's like just fucking a, a wild ass period of, of creativity and fucking glorious noise. <laughs> Plus I think Dan Spitz, his fucking playing is really fucking tight. Yeah, he's on, uh, another guy that I think is underrated. I mean, yeah, some I feel people, like he's people that he's would argue one way or the other on that. One but. of the underappreciated members, the probably the main underappreciated member of Anthrax, because he brought a lot to the fucking table for my money. Yeah, yeah, man, you gotta love that. Oh, yeah. Um, Peter, what is your so? Yeah, uh, I I got another one here. Uh, can't bring up Iron Maiden fourteen times in a podcast and not mention a Maiden track. So, uh, second album, Killers, uh, great album. I'm going to go with the song Wrath Child. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's my, people, some people might say it's sacrilege choosing a Paul Diano song uh, for a Maiden song to choose. But if you, if you really think, no. if you feel that way, uh, buy a copy of Ed Hunter, because I believe there's a version that Bruce Dickinson laid down vocal tracks and they replaced uh-huh. the original studio uh, recording with Bruce Dickinson's vocals. Mm-hmm. So if you're into Dickinson and you don't like Paul Vianna, check that out instead. I I really just love both. And it's, I guess it's kind of the same with me with, with Bon Scott and ACDC. And bon Scott and Brian Johnson and ACDC. And even Axl Rose. Like, I, I love all... all <laughs> I, I don't have a uh, particular dislike for either of them. They're both fucking great in their own ways. Yeah. I like. I gotta say, I like the songs Paul was on originally. It's just the way I like it. I like Wrathchild. Is it's so raw and just hits. And um, so yeah, I'm always gonna go with Paul's version on that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's like I totally understand why what happened happened, and I love that Bruce Dickinson fucking took off running. But I also have love for those first recordings. But yeah, that's a, oh, yeah. a great, great track. Okay great track uh my next one uh once i got on this train this boggy riff train i had to stay on it so my next pick is by life of agony and the song is other side of the river uh this is one that i mean the song's from the um, early mid 90s and i never really listened to a lot of life of agony until maybe last year the song just came on randomly on a playlist and I was like, what the hell is this? This is good. And so, um, I dove into them. They've been around, um, yeah, for decades at this point. And this is one of their, definitely one of their, um, their main songs. Um, it's the other side of the river, just really catchy. It's, it's in that, 
I don't know where you'd place it. It's grunge was happening, but I wouldn't call it grunge. And it's maybe in like that tool zone, maybe like the heavier Rollins stuff. It's just that industrial metal. It's really hard to put a, uh, a pin in that that early '90s area. There was so many metal was this you know spiraling off into all sorts of mixes. But um, but yeah, that's I gotta give props to Life of Agony. This riff is badass. The song just is boggy this riff just kicks so much ass and i have to try constantly not to accidentally rewrite it when i'm jamming so uh, definitely check out life of agony with other side of the river hell yeah my next track comes from the third tremor tim owens and this is from his album play my game it was his debut solo album had so many badass musicians on it but the track I'm going with is The World is Blind, which was written by Owens. But on the track, you got Doug Aldrich on guitar, Billy Sheehan on bass, and Simon Wright on drums. A great fucking, Damn. great fucking Super group cool. of motherfuckers. And yes, The World isn't blind. It's a, it's a heavy hitter, hard hitter from Tim Owens. The World is Blind. Hell you. That's pretty sweet. So um, I got another song here. My next song is uh, from an album that just recently turned 25 years old. Um, I've chosen a weird song that I think will still fit in the genre. It's Stuck Mojo, Here Comes the Monster. Stuck Mojo is one of the pioneers of what would kind of become rap metal or new metal, but they were doing it um, in the really early 90s. And they played a lot of shows with Seven Dust uh, when they were in the Atlanta area. So... I got really into them. I got actually uh, an odd story that kind of fits well with that. So like a handful of the members of Stuck Mojo are now in the band Fozzy with Chris Jericho, speaking of pro wrestling. And so I had done a Fozzy meet and greet a couple times. And eventually I was just like, I'm not going to do the meet and greets anymore. How many times can you meet and greet somebody or whatever? So I just like went to the show early. And I was there so early that the doors were open and there wasn't a doorman there or anything. So... I just walked in and I'm just standing there and Rich Ward, the guitarist for Stuck Mojo slash Fozzy, like walks up and starts talking to me and he's, he says, that's a cool Diamond Head shirt. You know who's going to like this? Chris, stay here. So he goes and leaves and, the, and then Chris Jericho just comes walking out the back and he's like, cool Diamond Head shirt. Did you get that at the Raven show last week? And I can't remember, like, it was in California somewhere. I'm like, no, like I'm... I'm in Iowa. Like I, I don't have like a random Tuesday off to just go to California and go to a show. But, but, but so it's kind of weirdly full circle that I chose that one there. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten, I've gotten to the point where I'm not gonna hate on the meet and greets. Like the most recent one I went to was was Glenn Jacobs, and the money was going to to like Knox County public schools. So like. I couldn't be mad at that. And like some people are just as cool, whether it's an organic meeting by chance or a meet and greet, like there's people that it's still awesome either way. So, so, you know, I, I've been through the different feelings on them and for the right people that, that mean something to me, I would, I would go either way. Yeah. I mean, it is really fun. I've, I've rarely had a a meeting with somebody famous that kind of turned me off. Uh, So that's, you know, I guess there's a plus there, but I've, I've done a lot of meet and greets and I've met a lot of people, especially pro wrestlers, like, uh, just, I don't know, like, I used to hang out with, uh, some people that had a 
company in Iowa called IPW, and they would every now and then bring like Hacksaw Jim Duggan in, and every time they would, the promoter would call me, and he'd just be like, "You want to come hang out with Hacksaw?" And it's like it's like sure, I'll come hang out with Hacksaw. And Hacksaw is like the nicest guy I've ever met in my entire life. Hang out with. You know, uh, did you get uh, the recent one that I was interested in that I missed was um, Hall and Nash. They were just through Iowa. Yeah, um, if I recall correctly, that was a lot of money. I'm, Maybe I, that was it. I don't know. I'm not. You, you got to pay the man. You know, that's you just whatever it is, pay the man, you know, but still like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm not separating with that much money. I'm really just upset that I didn't get my VH copy of Secret of the Ooze signed by Kevin Nash. That's really... <laughs> oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> like Scott Hall toothpick. <laughs> He's going to autograph a toothpick. No, you just want the actual toothpick from him. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo, take this toothpick and shove it up your ass. Yeah, I'd accept that insult. Like that. That's what I came here for, man. I'd just be like, sweet, Thank walk you. away. Just put the tooth in your mouth and walk away. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. My last classic pick uh, for the week is a um, band called Quicksand, and the song is called Phaser. Um, this was around the same time, uh, mid-'90s. It's that, that grungy industrial thing where like metal was kind of spinning off and um just really another song that i i knew from the radio but i've never really dove into them but i've definitely over the years have uh grown a real appreciation for this band and this song in particular so uh definitely check out quicksand and their song phaser brutal fucking riff great song hell yeah um so getting on to heavy radio and audible farm collabo fucking this is uh my new track my new track comes from exodus this is clickbait and this is going to be on their album persona non grata set to arrive on november 19th and um yeah fucking it's about if you want to hear some exodus they're firing it up for you on all cylinders um so definitely check it out there's a, a video you can check out and uh they uh yeah making me look forward to cranking this new exodus album this exodus with clickbait crank it awesome nice nice yeah yeah for the newer songs, I actually tried to choose something that was a little closer to the heart than, than just a band I like. So uh, I chose Striker Heart of Lies. It's not necessarily like a, a brand new song. It's been out for a while, but uh, it's still within the last 10 years-ish. So, uh, you know, Striker, I ended up opening up for them with Unity. At, uh, I believe it was at Gabe's in Iowa City. Yeah. And was that, was, that was one where I went to the show and, and um, I was... I don't know, once you play so many shows, you kind of get desensitized to who's around you sometimes. But I, I just stood in the back and was watching them, and I could not take my eyes off the show. It was just every single part about it. Like, lead vocals, awesome. Like, every guitar part, awesome. Bass, awesome. The drums, insane. You know, the light show, crazy. The place was packed. Everyone's going nuts. And it was Striker was one that just kind of blew me away. And the more I looked into them, I'm like, these guys can't write a bad song. You know, they just can't. Those guys are so perfect. I saw them in Austin, uh, Texas, and they're just so on the money. Had their shit so tight, so together. It was just, I was like, wow, this is a 
fucking arena band I'm getting to see in a club. So yeah, they're they're just on their shit. Can't say I feel like about those guys. I feel like they would get the Tico, the Hitman Torres, thumbs up a fucking approval for being fucking rock steady. Yeah, yeah. those guys are insane. Hitman doesn't throw that around, bro. No. Only picks the best. Hell yeah! Awesome, great band. Um, speaking of great bands, this is um, one of my favorites out there doing it right now. Um, the band is called Tower. And this is from their new album they recorded um, last year and just coming out now. And it is called, the song is called Bad Moon. And uh, not only does Tower write amazing, classic, like um, New Wave British Heavy Metal vibe songs, um, just uh, the singer is, she's so extremely talented. I can't even really put her voice, I can't really compare it to any one singer. It's just, it's uh, raspy and. Um, just powerful and yeah I think this album I can't wait to hear the rest of it but I I see no reason for this band not just continuing to to climb the ranks because they're just firing all cylinders and I just can't wait to hear what this whole album has to offer so definitely check out Tower the song Bad Moon I can't recommend it enough it's definitely going to be in my top 10 of the year hands down so um, Fuck yeah. definitely I, check them out I love Tower and I didn't know that so I'm literally downloading that now because such a good song fuck yeah hell yeah my uh, my next track my last new track for the week is from Ghost and it's Hunter's Moon and I'm Hell so yeah. stoked. Me and Eric were talking about it earlier, how we're so stoked for Halloween Kills. Seems like a perfect song for the soundtrack for my money. And um, yeah, I really, uh, really just fucking love this track. I've been cranking it since since I first could do so. Um, I saw Tobias talking about it, and in it he was wearing an Exodus shirt, so... Um, nice. that's cool but um but yeah uh crank it fucking hunter's moon i'm i'm fucking stoked for it fucking love the orange vinyl and uh love the halloween love that the halloween font is on there so halloween kills hell yeah i just can't wait for that i know uh, jamie lee curtis is stoked for it and she's such a great actor that if she's hype on it i am fucking all about it that's killer, man. Yeah, I feel like Ghost is one of those bands that it's pretty polarizing in the metal scene. Either love yeah, or and I, I've gathered I'm that, but I've, side, I've yeah. never given a fuck since I remember that. I was actually one band that I was there with right from the beginning. I, I ordered their first record and loved it. And um, some even among their own fans, they're kind of polarizing because they've had different turns. And... Uh, uh, I've pretty much been in love every step of the way, so uh, keep it going, Ghost. But I'll be right there rocking out. Nice. Nice. So uh, I, got, I got another new song here. Uh, this is one, uh, the more I looked into it, it's, it fits, kind of fits the same bill as the last one. It's, it's new-ish. Uh, there was a demo version of it recorded and put out by within the last 10 years as well. But it's Call on the Storm by the band Nova Rain. Uh, they were one of the openers for Helium Prime, one of the times we opened up for them, and it was a band that just blew me away. Uh, they, I mean, they play like Dragon Force level amount of notes, 
and it has this like kind of Celtic speed metal feel to it. So uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. I kind of enjoy going through all different genres of metal and kind of, you know, trying to test out the waters on that one. And I, you know, I opened up for them. I was like, I can't believe I'm in a club opening up for this band and these guys are playing this many notes and there's only that many people there because you can only fit up a couple hundred people in a little club sometimes. And I, I don't know. I put them on my on my playlist. I spin them every now and then. And it's it's kind of wild when you go look at their stats online how few plays they're actually getting yeah. for how awesome I it sounds. I feel like that's one of the perks of playing music in Iowa is you find yourself in these fucking situations of like, how is there not a million people watching this band? It's so fucking mind-blowing and... I'm a part of this evening and it's fucking awesome and you just gotta live it and be in the moment and then fucking cherish it. It's great. Yeah, it was awesome. One thing I remember from that show was they their drummer, I can't remember what happened, but he was um, out of the band like halfway through the tour, so they like had somebody fly in and meet him and yeah. play play with him instead. And he was just like a replacement drummer that was like a fan of theirs that sent in an audition tape once or something. Nailed it as far as I could tell. Yeah. Yeah, he slayed, dude. You could tell he was pretty gassed by the end of the show, though. <laughs> you know, didn't have his cardio up, but it was pretty wild. Hell yeah. Awesome. Um, my last pick for episode 40 is by a little band called Guns N' Roses, and they have a new single out called Hard School. And it is just, this sounds like it was a B-side they dusted off from the Use Your Illusion days because it just sounds like classic Guns N' Roses. And his voice somehow sounds um, stronger than the stuff on Chinese Democracy, which was recorded, like, what, 20 years ago? So I don't know what he just pulled it from the depths of rock and roll, but uh, he Axel sounds like classic Axel. I could not fucking believe it when I heard it. Um, band sounds fucking great. Um, and Slash and Duff holding it down like they always do on everything. And um, just a great kick-ass rock and roll song not trying to be anything more than just a kick-ass rock and roll song and that's exactly what i want and i couldn't believe i got this brand new classic guns and roses song so check out hard school fuck yeah it's been been a great heavy radio 40 and yeah. episode 161 for you peter so that's that's yeah buddy awesome that you have you have gotten to 161 episodes. Yeah, I just had just hit three years on the podcast. Uh, Congrats! I don't know, last month sometime. Yeah, you have had so, so many great and interesting people on it too. It's been pretty wild, mostly local musicians, but some people uh, outside that box, like Danny Rabine from Marvin, which is like gypsy jazz kind of fusion stuff. Um, so, I mean, like that's not quite exactly metal, but it's still. A million notes. It's like the most notes per dollar spent at a show you ever get. So yeah, good music, good music, man. Yep. That's cool. Everyone definitely check out Peter's show. Episode. Yeah. Episode forty. Episode one sixty one. Crank it. You can find them wherever you find podcasts. Crank it loud. <laughs>